Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. No, they said, so, they, they, said they haven't heard and enough. And then cherish this weekend. I'm going to be okay. piping off more. All right. So, okay, well, let's, let's, just, let's, just, let's just jump in. So right, right now... Um, 2023, we, I really felt the Holy Spirit saying to me that we are living in the PTSD mm. of 2020. Yeah. And so you, you want to know that it's not present traumatic stress disorder, it's post. Wow. It's post. post. So in, in the heat of battle, um, adrenaline will kick in and adrenaline will, will get a soldier under fire or in a crisis through a particular situation. So the human body was made for, it has an emergency response mechanism. But the problem is once that, uh, once that adrenal drops, you're now left with depression, your, your adrenal glands are, are exhausted, and then you go into what they call post-traumatic stress disorder. And, uh, and, you know, with the vision of the church and everything that was moving forward, yeah. When it hit 2023, I really felt the Holy Spirit say, you've actually got to put a pause. You can't just carry on yeah. like you've been carrying on because not just your leaders, but also the people uh, yeah. are now living in the post. They, they got through 2020, they got through 21, they got through 22, but now 23, the symptoms are, are And 24 are is an election year. For the love, we yeah. need a break. And so, and so we <laughs> yeah. know the wicked on election year will create chaos because they know that there's a, a, a huge swath of the population that are emotionally led and fear led, yeah. and so they, That's you know, right. so we know there's going to be division and riots, and you know they're going to find some other, you know, that, and they do it. It's every four years they they all of a sudden care about race relations. Mm, that's so right. they don't yeah. care in between, they just care when it comes to giving them power. Yep. And don't don't let people use you. Yeah. Yeah. So that they have more power because with the power comes a privilege and they don't want to give up the privilege and the power. They don't think they care about the people. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so so it's very important that we as the church lead from the front. And the greatest leadership is always following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit really said to me that pastoral care right now, like shepherd the people. And yes. you spoke a message last week. I got to hear it. I was suffering for Jesus in corner, Hawaii, suffering, <laughs> suffering. Uh, it was 6.30 a.m. when I was listening, which was perfect because we didn't have our first tea time till 7.10. Wow, you're, you're disclosing too much. Well, well we telling, I had to endure 36 holes of golf wow. per day. That, I'm telling you, that is enduring. Well, that enduring. is the most boring sport. Somebody, Ever known somebody to had man. To. Good Lord. We all had our crosses to bear. Mine just happened to be a five iron. All right. Here we go. Here, here's, here's, the, here's, the first, here's the first revelation. This is one that we've been yeah. kind of discussing in the home. Yes. And, and you've said this two or three times, so I want you to say it, and then they're going to put it up on okay. the screen. People don't care about the church's vision. People don't care about the church's vision. So we care about it because we got a vision and a download from God. However, the people that are coming are thinking about the vision for their own lives, 
They're thinking about the present needs, situations, troubles, circumstances that they're facing. And it can seem a level insensitive. Now, we're going to balance this out with the next point. When the church is always piping off about what we're going to do for the city and for the people out there, when we've got a flock within that God has sent us to feed, to tend, and to keep. So that's why in saying that, um, when we talk about our vision for 16 campuses, for most people in our churches, that isn't exciting. That's terrifying. (laughs) Well, well, what does that mean for me? Does that mean I'm going to see less of Pastor Jürgen and Leanne? Does that mean that we'll we'll just be relegated to, you know, the, the outskirts and... And, and, you know, like not valuable anymore? Does it mean because mommy's having another baby that the children she has will be unseen and neglected? So we have to be very careful. I think within this room, we talk, you know, undiluted vision, 16 campuses, hashtag boom, drop all the mics. But when we get in front of the church, we have to be very careful about the sensitivity of sharing with them a dream that they aren't yet mature or capable enough to handle and receive in a way that doesn't feel like a rejection of them. So would you yeah. you want to flesh that out a little bit more? Yeah. So, and I, we do talk about it a lot in church, yeah. 16 campuses, and I don't think that people need to hear it as much as we're saying it. Yeah. Well, I think it has the reverse. Yeah, it, it, well, it, it creates an upside-down effect. So, you know, there's, there's things that, 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 we, that we can share and cast with leaders um, that, you, that we can't do on a Sunday. And so what it does is it inverts the spirit of the kingdom. The spirit of the kingdom is that Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. He leaves the 99 to go after the one, whereas the 16 campuses says we're going to leave the one to go after the 99. You know, you don't matter. What matters is the the, the lost out there, the perishing. We heard this. We heard this. uh, You know, Gus, we've been hearing it for probably the last decade almost. You know, it's not about you anymore. It's about the lost. And you've heard my, my comedy shtick like, you know, the person comes and it's like all about you and it's welcome home. You're welcome here. Come as you are. And people are like, man, this is awesome. And then the, the, the preaching the is all about change. you. It's and then, not about you. And then you raise your Don't hand and you get saved. And then the next week you come back and you're like, man, this was incredible. It was all about me. And then you hear it's not about you anymore. And you're like, well, oh, it was last week. Yeah, that was last week. You idiot. You stupid imbecile. You the gave your life to Christ, didn't you? I gave my life to Christ. Yeah, well, that's your big mistake. Because... <laughs> Now it's not about you anymore. But last week it was. I want to go back to last week. Well, you're going to have to backslide. You know, and so, um, so, so, so Jesus says, you know, you, we, we leave the, the 99 to go after the one. So um, 16 campuses sound sexy and exciting to leaders, but not to the people. To the people, it's like Leanne said, it's unnerving, it's unsettling. It's disconcerting. Um, so we have to create the environment. And so you have to be good as a leader of having two lots of conversations. Yeah. And if you think, well, hang on, I don't understand. Isn't that hypocrisy? No. In our home, there are things that Leanne and I speak about because we are adults and we have the responsibility for leading the home that we don't share in front of the kids. We don't unsettle the kids. It's like, you know, we hit... 
we've hit many times over our marriage financial hard times where we're not sure how we're going to make it. And then, okay, well, this is an emergency backup plan. If things don't shift, if things don't turn, then we may have to, but we never do it in front of the kids. Kids, <laughs> you like your bed, don't you? Well, chances are you may not be sleeping in it by the end of the year. How are you with cardboard boxes on the floor? We never said, you don't, you don't unsettle the children. There are conversations you need to, to have because you are that, that roof, that protective covering over that you don't share in front of. And so I remember when we were in, in New Zealand, it was hilarious. This, this lesson, I should have realized back then, this lesson, every, every first Sunday in February was Vision Sunday. This Vision Sunday, first week in February. And the beauty of it was, was every Sunday, every Vision Sunday, every year for the seven years we were there, it was a different vision. Every year, our purpose, you know, bless. And then, no, we're not blessing anymore. Our purpose. Leadership. And it was every year was like a different vision. And so the people were exhausted, thank God. And, uh, but, but, but what we found was... Um, not only were people exhausted, we found that when we came to San Diego, we wanted to do Vision Sunday. But I'm like, the vision of the church hasn't really changed. And the vision is really about you living your best life. So that's why our Vision Getting Sunday is we get you purpose. to fill yes. out your vision and we get you to, 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 to connect with God, the author of dreams and visions. And then you bring your vision card and we pray over your vision card. And it's amazing how many people go, I like that church because in that church, my life was here. My expectations were down here. My belief in what God can do in my life was down here. But because of the preaching, the teaching and the ministry, I've, I have begun to experience the God who does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ask or think. Jesus said to Simon Peter, he says, I say to you, Simon, that you are Peter and on this rock. I know the Roman Catholic Church tried to say, no, no, Peter is the rock and he's the first pope. And St. Peter's Basilica is the original church because Peter was crucified there upside down, which is a miracle because Peter never made it to Rome. But somehow he was crucified upside down, which the upside down cross. Um, but but um, the rock isn't. Peter, the rock is the transformation. Jesus says, I say, that you, I say to you, Simon, that you are Peter. And on this rock that I receive you as Simon, but I tr the transformation you receive when you receive me, when you receive my word, when you sit under my discipleship, you come to me as Simon, but you're going to be Peter. You come to me as Reed, but you're going to be rock. The transformation is what I'll build the church on. And at the end of the day, it's about the transformation of lives. And when you're careful with what you share and how you share it to people who are vulnerable and, you know, don't have our ability to process the information that they're hearing, you'll find that you gain an equity with the people. So there is a security. So they feel loved and they feel cared and it's cared for and it's genuine. They feel shepherded. So when you actually do come with the vision for another campus, it's received well because they've been in an environment where they have been, they, they feel the security of shepherds who love them and who have created this environment, as you just explained, where their lives have gotten larger and increased. And then things start to shift and they think, well, of course we need a Bayho campus because there's people on that side of the central region that need to experience what I've experienced. But if they come into a 16 campus, ah, 
side. It's like, it's too much. It's, it's overwhelming. So just be wisdom. Incremental. I think the vision actually to the people needs to be revealed incrementally as they're able to handle it. And we, we uh, on purpose started this with a bit of a shocking point number one, and we're going to, you know, bring it home and really develop it. But I want you to understand that point today and be really, really careful. All right. Well, then following on from point number one that we wrote down is like number one, people don't care about the vision. But number two, people don't care about the vision unless, caveat, the vision cares for them. They don't care about, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to be the greatest church in the world and we're going to have 16 campuses and, and we're going to be a mega church and we're going to influence nations and we're going to you know, whatever. But people don't care about the vision unless the vision cares for them. And so the, the, the great Psalm 23. Yes. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, last week I shared about how we are to have qualities and characteristics of the good shepherd, but we aren't the good shepherd. There is a chief shepherd, his name is Jesus. And our ultimate is to lead every person into relationship with him. We can't be people's sufficiency. We'll disappoint them if we try and we'll torment ourselves. However, within this is just some keys on what a good shepherd, which is what you and I, over our various places of influence and oversight can uh, can really develop and use as we shepherd the people God's given us. So I love it because it talks about he leads us beside the still waters. So you'll find within this, the, within this scripture, um, and the people don't care about the vision unless the vision cares about them, that there's an understanding that people are going to come into our church. And because of the, the state of the world, and the brokenness of their lives and the things that they've done or things that have been done to them, that we're going to have to be really good at discerning what good shepherd quality we need to be administering to them at any given time. Mm. Are they in a season of uh, soul restoration? Mm. Are, they need to be, are they in a season when they need to be led on the paths of righteousness? Are they making foolhardy, reckless decisions mm. that are sending them the wrong way and they need the wisdom, counsel and correction of the Lord? I even like the, you know, he leads me besides the still waters. Yeah. So just that, that calming, you know, yeah. so when there's crises, when there's chaos, like, you know, our, our job is, and there is crises and chaos, there's evil in the world, there's, you know, evil is afoot. Yes. And while evil is afoot, that people come here and we, ha we can't heighten that. We can't say, oh my gosh, you know, the, 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 the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, pray for me, pray for me, we're not sure if we're going to... You know, the, no, no, our job is to calm the people. It's all going to be okay. It's yeah. all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. You know, the worst case that can happen is Jesus is going to split the sky and rescue, rescue us. But you know what? We've been here before in history. God's got this. The power of the Holy Spirit is upon us. You don't need to fear. You don't need to flee. You don't need to flee to a red state because I'm telling you, you, you know, fleeing to a red state, it, it, 
running from the battle only means the battle's going to follow you. You can draw a line in the sand here. God is with you here. God was with Daniel in a lion's den. God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. The Bible is full of God saying, don't run, don't flee, don't hide. You stay, you stand up in where you stay. I will be with you to deliver you. I'll be peace. I'll be power, I'll be purpose in, in those moments. So our, our job really is to bring calm and peace to the, you know, and I think the first one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. For me, the measure, the litmus test is I, I look at our people and, uh, and I know it's, 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 a, it's a dirty word in the religious world that where, the, where the religious spirit and the world come together to attack the true church and it's prosperity. Mm. When I look at our people, when our people are prospering in their marriages, their children are flourishing, they're prospering financially, I know that that the gospel that we're preaching is penetrating. The gospel will always elevate, will always promote, will always increase. The disciples came to Jesus with nothing. And Peter said, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. There is nobody who has left houses and lands and estates and friends and families for my sake and the gospels who will not fail to receive 100 times as much in this life with persecutions and in the life to come, everlasting life. So that's why we, we, we know that the attack just tells us that we're over the target. God wants, the, the, the devil doesn't want prosperity preached or taught. He wants cat, cowardice pastors to hide from it because the, it's the prosperity that shows this gospel has power. It has life transforming, life developing power. I came in like this and now I'm living like this. God's principles work. Jesus said it. Jesus says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house, who built his life on the rock. The rains came down, the floods came up, the wind blew, but his house stood. But you know, whoever hears these teachings of mine, these sayings of mine and doesn't do them, I will liken him to a foolish man who built his... In other words, Jesus is saying, you can tell the difference by somebody's life. If their life is a mess, I guarantee you they're disobeying my word. If their life is flourishing and fortified and strong, I guarantee you it's because they're applying my word to their life. Jesus said it's measurable. So we don't apologize for that. We don't believe that, well, God makes this person rich and that person poor and that should... No, no, every single person, God honors his word. He watches over his word to perform it. That's why every Sunday we have the responsibility to put the word out for people. Not our opinion, not Reader's Digest, not Time Magazine, not Forbes, not, you know, motivational speakers. And, yeah. You know, we, we, we put out the word of God. God doesn't watch over, uh, over Tony Robbins's Coles. Unleash Coles. the Giant. I mean, it's sexy. Unleash the giant within. But God's like, wow, where's that in my word? Is it? Gabriel, did we write anything? God, God doesn't watch over. He watches over his word. The greatest thing you can put in people is, is his word because God watches over his yeah. word to perform it. Yeah. Do you want to quote the third one, Pastor I Tommy do. Barnett? Pastor Tommy Barnett said this, without a vision, the people perish, but without a people, the vision perishes. 
That's a good one. That's a very good without one. a vision, the people perish. That's Proverbs 29, 18. But without a vision, yeah. No, sorry, without a people, people the, the vision, vision perishes. perishes. So people development is is the 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 assignment of the church. What do we do? We develop people. Oh no, no, we're taking 16 campuses, we're taking cities, we're no 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 we 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 no no we develop people. We develop, and out of the overflow of people development, we spill out into Beho. We spill out into Coronado. We spill, but we never, ever leave our very, very first call. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things that I've commanded you, teaching them to obey, which is Really, what, what the woke gospel has done, hey, just come as you are. We're not going to judge you. We're not, no, 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 Jesus didn't say that. He said, whoa, 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 hang, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, Jesus, we're just trying to get him saved. He said, I didn't ask you to get him saved. You can't do the saving anyway. I do the saving. I asked you to disciple them. Right. And disciple them is teaching them to obey. Well, you know, um, if, if I speak on, on that, well, they might get butthurt and offended. Well, then they're not ready to be discipled. But at some point... We've got to teach what the scripture says. When your life is congruent with the word of God, it'll flourish. When, you're, when your life is out of sync with the word of God, do you really think that there's a, an alternative, that the gospel will still work, that somehow grace? Listen, grace, grace works to get you back to the word. Grace works when your heart is for the word. But the longer you stay disconnected from, from the word, grace is, is, is a bridge to get you back to the word. But if you want to live out here, grace ain't going to work. Your life will be a mess. Well, you know, Jesus still loves me even though I'm in sin. Yeah, but grace is the bridge back to Jesus. Grace is the bridge back to alignment with God, congruency with the word of God. But if you want to keep living here, it will train wreck your life. It will, whether it's sexual morality, whether it's drugs, whether it's perversion, whatever it is out here. And so we have to teach people to obey. It's great to obey God. You want to obey God. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful. We, we want to we disciple people. We do. And, and that's what that's all about. Yeah. And there's a big difference between being controlling in your leadership and confident in your leadership. Oh, so, talk about that. Well, I think sometimes <coughs> ill-spirited people that have taken the independence thing to mm. a place of rebellion we'll call confident leadership controlling leadership. And we need to be really, really careful where we stand, number one, but also don't let the fear of people mistakenly calling you controlling stop you being confident in your leadership. There's a reason that the shepherd had a crook on the end of his staff. I mean, that there was a level of... Uh, Pain in pulling that sheep that was wayward and thought they were going to do better on their own over here and was actually susceptible to a wolf. When the, the shepherd got the crook and pulled it back in. Oh, I, I had church abuse. Oh, did you now? I don't think it was church abuse. I actually think it was a good shepherd who saw you about to train like wreck your life and wasn't going to let you go cavalierly over a cliff without a fight. So I want, I want you to try to manage that that tension because we do, it's become a bit of a trigger word in the church, hasn't it? Oh, they're just controlling. Oh, really? Or are they a confident shepherd? Now, I know what the spirit of control looks like because I've been under it, but we can never call what 
actually is confident leadership and shepherding and effective, caring, pastoring, a spirit of control. That's, that's not what it is. Well, can you remember that the seven years were in New Zealand were, yeah. were I would call them um, extraction, expectation without development and impartation. Right. So can you remember we were always, we were, you know, it's always you've got to just stretch more and you've just got to give more. And hey, if you have to give up your day off to see revival, give yes. up your day off. And, and, you know, we're out six nights a week and, you know, working 80 to 100 hours and, you know, the church never really grew and right. we, we were, you know, really poorly looked after financially and everything and it was always sacrifice, always sacrifice. Yeah. And discipleship or development happened in a classroom and right. it was always, it was always come with a brow beating that you're not doing enough, you're not giving enough, you're not... And yeah. then when we get to, to C3 with Pastor Phil and Christine mm-hmm. Pringle, remember the mm-hmm. first Sunday we're there and, and Christine, who's so animated, walks in and we're kind of just on the front row, like almost yeah. awkward, like on the front. And she yeah. comes and she kneels down. She goes, we're not worthy. <laughs> we're not worthy. And it was so overwhelming. And I hope it's we, okay. You, yeah. you, you kind of, the, the I, floodgates well, of all the emotions. I got emotional because yeah. we were so used to being abused and mistreated. Mm. And you'll find that you can really tell when a spirit of control is at work because it, it, it comes with condemnation. Condemnation yeah. and control yeah. work together. Mm. Whereas good, confident leadership, mm. there, there's always inspiration and instruction for the person's good. Mm. Confidence and care go together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very, uh, it was really confronting to, to see the difference. You know, two people that held the same position in our lives but just approached their role as shepherds so differently. And one then, out of control and one out of confidence. Yeah. And then can you remember like the, the very next, so that was the, so she then grabs Leanne, takes Leanne down there and just the whole service just loved yeah, on you like just, a mama. Yeah. And then the next week they, they'd organized for us to have a lunch with lunch. them. And we went down to Mona Vale there. Yeah. That beautiful little, little cafe. Yeah. And we, we were so beat up, so broken, so poor. And they came with gifts for us. Yeah, they did. Do you did. remember that? It was so beautiful. They came with yeah. gifts. For, and we'd, we'd never seen such kindness. And we're we like, just didn't know what to do. We were in we'd, shock. We're like, what's yeah. happening? Do we the, have the, cancer? They were so... <laughs> And then from there, can you remember they, yeah. they had that beautiful home on Bay, Bayview? Yeah. And we got invited into their home. We're like, I know. We're, we're, hang on, we're yeah. invited into their home. We thought we were just like busy little worker bees. We thought we were just like worker ants yeah. that, you know, yeah. that, that weren't doing enough, that were never doing enough. Mm. And, uh, and yet it was the exact opposite. We were invited into their home and, and there was fellowship and impartation. There was always, I mean, we got... We, we probably got uh, 10x developed yeah. in that environment than we did in the, the browbeating, condemnatory. Well, we, there was relational equity there. So when mm. Pastor Phil had to talk to us about anything and be a confident leader mm. and pull us in with the crook, we knew he loved us. Mm. We knew he cared about us. We knew Pastor Phil, Phil and Chris loved us and cared about us. I think the difference with the spirit of control is there, there is no community. Mm. So it's a demand... And it's a, you, there's always condemnation and a guilt trip attached. Mm. And there's no real relational mm. equity. Like yeah. it, it's, it's an abusive inversion. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's an expectation for people to perform. Yes. And if you don't perform, then you're, you're discarded. Out. You're out. Yeah. I'm giving well, you the cold snout. Yeah. Whereas this, this one here was there, was there was not an expectation of performance, but an assessment. Yeah. And then a coming alongside and a, and a development. And... 
you know, it was so funny because when the head is healthy, the whole body's healthy, the Bible says. And because we saw that model, we then began to open our home. Yeah. And I still remember you had a whole bunch of the, the, the girls around and you were, you know, doing something. And, uh, and then you had like, was it candles or something on the table and somebody spilt something and it caught on fire. And oh, yeah. so the, the tablecloth was on fire on our coffee table. And then uh, was it you that panicked or was it Nikki Fletcher? No, it was me. I panicked and she I picked panicked. up what I thought was She picked water. up liquid and poured it, it on, but it was kerosene. Oh, and so now, now the whole table and the floor is on fire. Lamps. And Were you there? We had one of those oil Oh, lamps. my gosh. So... I saw this. So I come home, there's a big burn mark on the coffee table, big burn mark. I'm like, well, I guess that's discipleship. Linda Bax's boots were on fire. She had she had like suede boots and her boots caught on fire. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's a trip down memory lane. So 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 we're, we, are, we are in the, the development of, of people. I, I remember one of the saddest things I think we've, we've learned over 32 years or heard over 32 years is pastors, they, they really love the pulpit. They just don't really like people. Yeah. And we've heard it again. Well, you know, pastor's really not a people person. Well, I'm thinking, well, then he should go and Wrong work. job. Yeah, come and change careers. <laughs> like you need to be a people. Now, I understand that people are your greatest asset, and they can also be the greatest headache. But that's, that's the pain that Rick was talking about that, that we're meant to carry. And, yeah. uh, and, but we're, we're called to, to develop people. And I put this in here, and I'm just going to touch on it, and then, then we'll, we'll move on, is when, when you look at Moses and Joshua, it, you know, we would hear for many, many years that Joshua, the Joshua generation, God is raising up the Joshua generation and, you know, because Joshua was the one who went into the promised land. Moses got them too, but Joshua got them in. And Joshua sacked Jericho and Ai and Jebus and all the different cities and townships that were fought. You know, Joshua was successful. Yet when we look in the New Testament, Moses is mentioned 99 times, Joshua only twice. And then you come to Elijah. Elisha did twice the miracles of Elijah, twice the miracles of Elijah. And yet Elijah is mentioned 27 times in the New Testament. Elisha is only mentioned once. So in the, in the world, if, if, if you were to take both of those people and throw them out to a Forbes 100 list or, you know, like a, a leadership kind of tribunal, they would say that Joshua was the great successor. Joshua, you know, was this and Joshua is all that. And the comparison between Joshua and Moses, Joshua was the more successful. Elisha did double the miracles of Elijah. Therefore, Elisha wow. is, but not, not to God. To God, he mentions Moses 99 times, Joshua only twice. He mentions Elijah 27 times and Elisha only once. Why? Because the fruit of both Joshua and Elisha were not accredited to them that were accredited to Moses it was Moses's fruit that he saw in Joshua's life the Bible says the saddest thing is that that there came there came a generation after Joshua who did not know the Lord nor did they walk in his ways instead each man did what was right Joshua failed to raise up 
his successor. So, so God doesn't see your accomplishments. God sees your developments. He doesn't see, he sees the people that you, the, the fruit of the people that you develop. The world that we live in wants to make you a performer that you accomplish this. I did it my way. It's all about what I've done, what I've accomplished. Look at my goals. Look at my assets. Look at my equity. Look at my business acumen. Look at my but not God. God looks at who have you developed and the fruit that the people that you've developed is accredited to you. The fruit of the people they develop will be accredited to them. And I would say that fruit is seen in the row sitting behind you. Mm. So, so, and that, this is nothing to do with the people sitting here, but when we look at some of the churches that have petered out yeah. throughout the generations and yeah. only lasted one generation, it's yeah. simply because the front row received the impartation from the pastor, but then didn't develop the people beyond. And they didn't develop. So... They had a weighty, heavy, gifted front row, but beyond that, it, was, it just got way more shallow and undeveloped. Yeah. So really, the fruit of our ministry is not seen in the front row or even the second row. It's seen in the back row. Yeah. Yeah, the fruitfulness. Well, the last one, because we've we got to finish, yeah. is um, this, this is kind of a discovery over 32 years, over 32 years of, of, of you know, pastoring and ministry we've discovered that most pastoral care situations are actually the result of a discipleship deficit. You think about most of the pastoral care crises and situations, you have to talk about this, marriage is on the rocks, these people are divorcing, this person's drinking too much, this person's relapsed with drugs. Whatever it is, it's somewhere there was a discipleship deficit in their life. If they were being discipled, if they were connected, if they were submitted, if they were in a group where they're being developed and challenged and inspired and led, the pastoral care... So even though we have a pastoral care department, we have to because not everyone is being discipled. But you will find that the more that you disciple people the more that we give ourselves to the development of people. And that's really what it is. If you said, what's, what's the purpose of Awakened Church? What's the ministry objective of Awakened Church? Is the development of people. The development of people. The development of what? The development of the God factor in people. I know in my life, the, the, the trajectory of my life changed completely when Jesus came in. But when Jesus came in, he saved me from my past. He, he then kind of said, hey, this can be your trajectory, but it requires you to follow me. It requires you, if anyone wants to be my disciple, let him A, deny himself, B, take up his cross, and C, follow me. But what about that shiny thing? What about this opportunity? Jesus, just hang on a sec there. You know, uh, the, the, the Australian comedy... Um, no, they, no they, I, I got, I got, I got uh, a, a special invitation to speak at the comedy festival in Australia. And um, a lady came to Planet Shakers, heard me preach, and she runs the Australian Comedy Festival. It's the biggest comedy. Any, anybody that makes the platform um, gets all kinds, of, usually gets all kinds of endorsements. You make it you know, straight away six figures. And I'm sitting there, I'm so excited, get off the phone to her and I'm so pumped. I'm like, oh, this is going to elevate my ministry, this is going to elevate my platform, this is going to be amazing. And the Holy Spirit, the word of the Lord comes to me and he says, Jürgen, do you really want to deal with the doors that are about to open? 
And it wasn't like a, a preparation and he was pumped with me. He was excited. The Holy Spirit said, do you really want to deal with the level of attractive, distractive that's about to come that'll take you from kingdom purpose? And yes, it'll mean finances. And yes, it'll mean prosperity. And yes, it'll mean fame and fortune. But do you really want to deal with it? And I remember just sitting there in my office, it took about 30 minutes and I realized, oh my gosh, I have to call her back and say, I can't come and speak. And she was like bewildered, like, I don't, like, do you understand what I'm offering you? Do you understand the platform? And I said, I do. But my, my mission and my purpose, even if I remain in obscurity, is to build the kingdom of God. This is not a side gig. This is not, hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you until a sexy opportunity comes. I'm following you. So to be a disciple, to change the trajectory, to, to walk in that requires your devotion to Christ. Yeah, you had a I finishing thought? Well, I just think in that most pastoral care situations are the result of a discipleship deficit. God is going to be so beautiful in showing you within your teams and your campuses what he wants you to minister into and speak into by the deficits you see. So we have to be really mindful too that oftentimes the issues we see in our teams and campuses, the things that we're dealing with, are literally issues on the inside of us that God is amplifying amongst the people. And so it's never really hard for me to think about what to preach on a Sunday because I know what, number one, what God's doing in me, but also I, I read the room. So, you know, for those of you who have any level of influence or ever on a platform or speaking to your teams, you know, really ask God to show you what you need to see and scratch the right itches, speak to the right issues, Let's never waste an opportunity or a Sunday um, and, and always bring the word of the Lord. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that, yeah. that difficult. You know, it's, with people, speak into them, how's your finances? How's your faith? How's your family? How's your fidelity? It's, you know, it's, it's usually one of, one of those things that's broken. And, you know, John Wesley says, I consider the whole community as my parish. You know, I'm not just looking at the, the people who are turning up to church on a Sunday. I'm, I'm looking beyond the church into the community. The reason we do, you know, we do relationships. So if you look at our, uh, we do eight series a year. They're very, very strategic because we know the things that are broken. We know that people need help in marriage. People need help in relationships. We, you know, we do finances. People need help in governing finances. You don't have to find a cheap state and a cheap town to live in, God can prosper you right here in San Diego, in California with the high taxes and the crazy Mussolini. God can prosper you here. You can make more than what you need and there's a wisdom in there. So, you know, so, so teaching all of that, you know, it's so funny when we're sharing, I talked about how um, what shepherds do is they lead sheep and sheep go astray. Not only do sheep go astray, but they fall into holes. <laughs> they fall off cliffs, you know, they bite other sheep and... So just, just, just learning to be, to be good with sheep. One, one last thing, one last thing that, that Leanne said. Um, I'll never forget when we, we lived in New Zealand for seven years. New Zealand has 60 million sheep back then, 3 million people. So for every one person, there was 20 sheep. And, and so they were a superpower if it came to, if there ever was a war amongst sheep, war they were a superpower. Sheep. 60 million sheep, 3 million people. 
And we lived there for seven years, but we were just so, but it wasn't until we got to, to C3 under Pastor Phil and Christine Pringle. Christine Pringle said something because both of them were Kiwis. They grew up in New Zealand. And Christine Pringle said this about, about the shepherds in New Zealand. She says, it's very, very interesting that when the sheep, if they are beaten or abused, they stop reproducing. Yeah, they stop lambing. When sheep are frightened, fearful, or abused, they can't conceive, they don't conceive, or if they do conceive, they, they, they miscarry. miscarry. It's only sheep that are at peace and calm that are fruitful. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because we, we, we were working probably uh, twice as long, twice mm -hmm. as much mm -hmm. at, at, in New, New Zealand. Zealand. And the church really never got over about 700, 700 people. We come to Phil, Phil Pringle and we're working half as hard and being developed and loved and such peace and prosperity. Yeah. And just our youth ministry, when we took it over, had 50. By the time we left, had over 1,000 uh, kids in it. Um, same, same, same time span, two completely different results. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, should we pray yeah, for people? Let's pray. Come on, we're out of time. Come and lift your hands high to heaven. <laughs> Love the golf clap. Thank you. I went. We're going to continue to be really speaking on this as we just step into this new season, just to properly tend and care for the the flock that the Lord has entrusted to us, and be diligent shepherds. All right. Well, just turn your palms towards heaven. You know, uh, Jesus in his final prayer, you know, in, in John 17, before he's, you know, taken off and betrayed and crucified, said, Father, look at what I've accomplished. You impressed with those miracles? Actually, he didn't say that. He says, Father, I have not lost any of those whom you entrusted to me, except the one doomed to perdition. He says, but I gave them your name. I showed them your way. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, that each and every single one of us are, uh, are given people to shepherd, to love, to pour ourselves into. What, what Jesus did for the 500 was wonderful, but what he did for the 120 was even greater. What he did for the 70 was another level yet. What he did for the 12 was even greater. And then what he did for the three. Father, I pray that you show us our three pray that you show us our 12, show us our 70, show us our 120, and show us our, our 500. Father, we thank you for ministry impact and ministry influence. We thank you for fruitfulness. Father, we thank you for the heart of a shepherd. We thank you for the heart of the shepherd. Help Leanne and I, Lord God, continue to shepherd these beautiful people, these gifts, these treasures. Father, as we look through this room, we see the people that you love, that you love, that you've entrusted to us. And we don't count that as a light thing. We count it as an incredible honor. So Father, help us to continue to lead with the rod and lead with the staff, knowing which one to use. We don't use the rod to beat or to punish. We use the rod to correct. Father, we thank you for the staff to protect. Father, we thank you for these beautiful people. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 Great job, Would you welcome Pastor Rick as he comes back up? Hey, Rick, while you're coming up, can I just say one thing about Cherish? So I'm so excited about Cherish Conference. It's going to be incredible. Yes. 
God's given me um, some really beautiful pictures about what's going to happen. I, I don't think I felt at peace going into a cherish like I have in this one. But I just want to start this uh, start off cherish with an apology in advance. If you see anything, girls, when you're there, if there's anything that's overlooked or not done, or maybe it, you know you personally feel something and you felt like nobody saved you a seat and nothing happened, I just want to say sorry in advance, like our heart is to, for you to have the best time, but be gracious with us as we wrangle what's going to be tw over 2,200 women. So just really come in determined to be a leader, mature. Um, if there's anything that really is a deal breaker, go to the right people on it and let's get it worked out. But I want you all to have the best time. Um, I find that offense is always lingering, especially at women's conferences. So just be really, really careful that you don't let it rob from you in advance. So that's why I'm giving you my apology in advance. I want everybody to, to come and have the best time. And if anything's overlooked and you feel unseen, that's not our heart. Let us fix it, but deal with it maturely. We love you. Have the best day. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.